0: Welcome back to the Black Belt and Thinking podcast. On this episode, we've got three of us here for a discussion on why people do what they do. Welcome to the Black Belt and Thinking podcast. I'm Peter Cronin, lead presenter of the Black Belt and Thinking. This is a podcast where we look at all things to do with thinking faster and acting more purposefully. I interview experts in their field to try and provide you with the insights to the way they think and the tools and processes they use on a day-to-day basis. If you find value in this podcast, love for you to share it with others. Right Today on this podcast, we have Ben Gorange and Luke Wassenaar joining me for we we'll of a discussion this time about what we call uh, policies and, and informal policies, which are more beliefs than they are uh, a strategic document that might occur in your organization. So to give us a little bit of context for this, Basically, people people do behaviors, right? They, they take actions, they do things, um, and particularly in you know, the same environment, they tend to do the same behaviors. Whether that's the workplace, whether that's uh, at home, whether that's you know at the gym or your sports team or whatever, and that tends to be driven because people have these beliefs or policies that they want to conform to. And some of these are formal policies. You know, they're written down. You might have signed signed some release when you signed up to the gym to say that you'll always. Um, you know wipe down your equipment after you're done or something and others are just habits that you pick up ways you things that you believe have to be a certain way and so you do that behavior now why this all matters is it's very easy to look at somebody doing a behavior you disagree with or you want them to change and just think they're doing it because they're stupid or because they've got some malicious intent or whatever you come up with when really, they have got this policy in place, and if you can identify the policy and change it, you can change the behaviour. And if you don't, you'll probably really struggle to do that. Um, so it's quite critical in uh, not being in being actually reasonable and considering why others do what they do, and not being too too judgmental. And it's also quite critical, and if you actually want to change anything. All right, so that's my I suppose more formal explanation of what they are. Ben, how would how would you describe it?
1: Um, yeah I often refer to policies a lot like probably say rules or guidelines or principles that you kind of live your life by so any thing that you do or choose to do is normally driven by some sort of belief or guideline that you have about the way it needs to be or the way you need to act um, and of course some of those are, are very formal and forced upon you in certain you know situations everyone knows they need to act in a certain way and then a lot of them are actually just your own kind of belief, something quite deep-seated. And so you just act in a certain way because you believe that's the way kind of it should be. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And you pick these up from others, right? Sometimes, sometimes you might be conscious of them. Sometimes you're not even really conscious of them. Yeah, you just pick them up from anything
1: um, and some of them just get ingrained. And a lot of these policies that you have, they aren't conscious. You haven't even decided it's going to be like that you probably just find yourself acting in a certain way. Um, I think the the reason why we like to cover these and talk about them is because after the fact, they are completely obvious. So now that we say it, you probably think like, duh, that's like, there's no big revelation here. Um, But the key point is we don't tend to think about them. We just kind of tend to act on instinct or our subconscious just takes care of it and we just do things and we never really consider like why we're doing them. And I mean, a lot of them are very useful and we're not saying that you should go and change them all, but it can be useful to just take a step back and think, you know, why do I feel compelled to act in this way? Or why do I think someone else might be acting the way they are? Um, And it gives you quite a few insights. And often you can find actually some of the things that you probably believe can be changed um, or that, you know, you're almost creating some of your own problems because of policies you hold
0: so yeah that makes sense. luke do you got, got anything
2: else uh I, I just had kind of a question for both of you i guess that um so do you think those policies are because of of consequences or why do we have those policies in our lives if we kind of uh they're there subconsciously is it just based on consequences or like um upbringing or what are your guys thoughts on like what how, yeah, how we have those policies
0: Probably both, eh? Just as you say upbringing, it makes me think of, um, I don't know how often you see, you hear people say or you read online or something, someone saying, oh, up until this age, I thought that blah, because of my parents. I, I guess that was kind of a policy that people had, oh, I thought I had to do something. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes you're told about it, you don't realize that you have it, or you see others do it and you try and, that, that's probably a big workplace one, I reckon is you see others do it when you say join a new team or something and you just think oh it's going to be done this way when it might just happen that a couple of people in the team have the same habit that isn't necessary at all um yeah i mean probably just most people
1: would have a sort of a policy for themselves that they want to kind of fit in with the group or make sure they you know they're, they're not seen as an outsider and so to like kind of achieve or fit with that policy you tend to pick up the the rules or the understandings or the mannerisms of the people you're around so if you join a new team or you join a new club or something there's going to be probably a heap of unwritten rules about how they do things and you're just going to pick up on those and kind of go along with them um because that's what you kind of do as part of that group like if if you join a new team um at work and you know, they have a, a kind of rule in place that, um, you know, they'll go out for drinks on a Friday night and the new person should shout, you know, for everyone or they take turns. You know, you're just going to go along and you're, you're going to start doing that sort of thing because yeah. if you don't fit with those policies, then you kind of get a bit stuck and probably end up as the outsider. Um, so, yeah, it's probably an example of one. And just going back to your thing about consequences and upbringing... I think probably a lot of them do come up from that because you just start to notice things, even if it's correlation. You when you do something or act a certain way, you get the outcome. And if that's good or bad, you'll probably set in place a kind of rule for yourself for next time that comes up. And so you just you're almost creating these policies on the fly. And if something, if if you've done something and you get a good outcome, you kind of set a rule for yourself that if that comes up again, I should act in this way because you know it's beneficial for me. And on the flip side, if you do something or see something and you have a negative outcome, you kind of create a rule for yourself going, oh, I shouldn't do that in the future.
2: Yeah. I yeah. mean,
1: even little, very young kids, like, you know, they might not think twice about things like, you know, you, as a parent, you have to watch them near a road because you're worried they might just run out. But they do something and they get a scare. And that kind of sets a, a deep, kind of seated rule for them not to do it in the future. Actually, that probably reminds me just the other day when I was driving my daughter to daycare. She um, likes to have the window down now. And she decided that she should take her favorite stuffed toy that she takes in the car with her. And while we are going about 80K, um, reaching <laughs> and hanging out the window. <laughs> and I only noticed because I turned back because we were about to turn. I was kind of, you know, head-checking to make sure. And I can see just her hand, like, leaning out the window on this toy, like. Oh, so it's fully out the
0: there. Food. Like, it's just dangling.
1: Yeah, because, you know, she's small so she can reach to pretty much her fist out the window but it's like a um, like a, a stuff like sausage dog type thing that she's had for years. It's like her favourite toy. She sleeps with it every night, takes it everywhere with her. Like, yeah, we normally don't even it. take it out because, yeah, yeah right. we don't want to lose it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously my reaction to that, she kind of saw uh, <laughs> and I wasn't really like super mad but she could see that she had done something that she really shouldn't do, not in an all-telling off way, but she seemed to understand that you know that's quite bad, and now she just knows. She even says it to me just without me prompting it. That you know we don't hang things out the window. <laughs> when I picked her up from daycare yesterday, she wanted to put her hand out, and she asked if that was okay, and I said, "Yep." And then her response is, "Oh, yeah, but we don't put other things out the window, A. Eh? So she's created a new policy from that one experience about you know we don't put things out the window because she kind of can see that had a negative outcome, and she can kind of see what could have happened. Because I mean, if she had let go of that, it would just been gone. Either so lost or run over by all the cars behind us.
2: So, is that her creating the policy for herself, or is that her thinking that that's your policy? It might be a
0: little bit of both. Oh, depends yeah. when she drives with Mamae. Eh? What does she think then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that one is her one because
1: she understands that it could have had quite a bad outcome on her. Yeah. So like a lot of things with kids, you, I don't know, I find anyway, um, if you tell them not to do it just for the sake of it because you don't want them to do it, they kind of don't take it on board as much and you get these issues, you know, they'll, they'll test the boundaries and stuff. But this one she seems to have just like taken on board after that one incident. And I think maybe because she could see the negative outcome on herself. So she's now like adopted it as her own policy. Yeah, not just right. because I've told her she needs to. That's what it seems like. I mean, who knows? When you're dealing with a four-year-old, it's hard to get a straight answer. But <laughs> just based on other things that you've told her not to do and, you know, she doesn't take them on board as much, whereas this one's just like straight off the bat. It's
0: actually interesting. Although she wasn't driving, it's there. Is, I'm just thinking about how many policies, and this is part of the problem, I think, clashing policies um, people have when driving, right? Like, I'll be the first to admit that I get I get annoyed at people pretty quick when I'm driving, and they don't share my policies on, on how to act in certain circumstances. Um, I, I, just, I was just thinking as well, coming, coming to Sydney after learning to drive in New Zealand, there's, um, there's a couple there that took, took me a while to break. Um, learning how to run, run a yellow without panicking about, <laughs> about running a red light um, took me a little while. I got, I got tooted out a few times for, for slamming on the brakes when coming up to yellows. We're well, not even slamming on the brakes, but actually just braking for them as opposed to flooring it for them uh, when I first moved over. You, you learn that one pretty quick. Um, but I think there's, there's probably so many, like people's different beliefs about what's safe Um like, for example, merging onto a high, uh, like on a motorway. I've been stuck behind people who go really slow to merge onto, like, a motorway, uh, the M5 here in, in Sydney. And so that's, that's less safe. Like, you've got some policy that slower equals safer, but you're wrong here. Like, <laughs> if the traffic's all going 100k, slowing down to enter is not going to make your situation safer. But I think they've got some policy that it's stressful to them and slower equals safer. So I'll just go slower whenever anything gets scary.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's easy to try and label people as like idiots or like they're almost like they're out to, to just cause problems. But to them, they probably think it's perfectly reasonable. You know, it's a dangerous situation. So we should just go a little bit slower and it would be safer that way. And so based on what they believe, they're acti- actually acting very reasonably and logically. It's just they've probably created some sort of rule in their head that maybe it's not right.
0: I think, yeah, I think that's actually a really important point you touch on. Um, given their policies, they're acting logically. There's this, there's this thing where um, people, I don't know, it's like they assume that, talking about assumptions and policies, getting, getting all our terms out here. But, but you see somebody doing something you wouldn't do, and immediately you would label them illogical. Which which is not the case, right? Given given the information available to them, which includes their past experiences, which includes their policies, what they're doing is perfectly logical in some cases. Yeah. But we we assume that what they're doing is illogical and that they you know, we immediately label people an idiot. I don't know how often you hear people talking about that in the workplace. They talk about other people or departments or something. Oh, they just do that because they're lazy or because they've got, I don't know. What are all the, the labels people put on it? No motivation. The slackers, they don't want to do their job. They this, they that. Which is probably not true for the vast majority of people.
1: No, no, exactly. They're just following their own rules that they have kind of come up with. Yeah. Um, but I think you raised quite a good point. Just, uh, we're going back a little bit to something you mentioned, but it's probably one of the, the biggest things that come out of this is... You get a lot of conflict when you put like two people or two groups of people together, and the policies don't line up. Like you talked about the driving, everyone has different ideas or guidelines that they follow, and when you get two people that are following quite different ones, that's when you start to have conflict, and it, it can get quite personal quite fast, even though it really shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when you don't need to see those people again, I guess it doesn't matter, but it can lead to some quite big blow-ups. You know, you see some pretty bad things like off-road rage. Just because someone did something that they, you know, they someone else did something that you believe was unreasonable, and you also think it's reasonable to then retaliate in some way.
0: No. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, what did you just say about the clash, funny one. I don't know why I jumped to the gym suddenly, but I just thought about um, at our gym. Usually, if people are done with their so so talking about gym classes, CrossFit specifically, if anybody cares. Um, but you essentially, you've got a time block, right? You've got an hour. You need to get through a warm-up, say say a strength activity, and then get on to the, the final sort of workout and then pack up and get out so the next class can get in. So there is a time pressure there that matters. Um, and what's interesting is, I don't know, I notice at our gym, many people, I think myself included, although I feel like I'm often one of the slower ones, but once they're done with the strength activity exercise, they start packing their weights away, right? Getting ready for the next thing. But I've also seen... On, on some meme things that i follow people making memes about like how rude that is and how that's not in the the spirit of the of you know teamwork in that um to just be packing up because you're done and forget about everyone else but i think that's really interesting because they've obviously got some policy about if you put your weights away before the workout is done you're rude or you're you're disrespecting others whereas i'm i'm the opposite i'm thinking well you're getting that done, so you can A, potentially help them put theirs away, but you're, you're respecting the, the interests of everybody's time. So if you're done, why don't start packing away?
2: I guess that's like the same as when you're, I don't know why it came to my head, but um, like dinner, like you kind of wait for everyone to be finished dinner before you start washing your dishes. So yeah, right. Policies are, policies are a lot different depending on the circumstance and your environment then if you're cleaning up your plates i would have no problem with that but if you kind of got up out of dinner i don't know suppose if you're sitting down at dinner and the policy is you should you should wait if you kind of like if you're, like, I,
0: yeah, if you're sitting like,
2: around on just on the couch then i don't really care if you get up and
0: yeah, yeah. And i was just gonna say like i feel like if you've made the effort to sit at a table it's a for and now you've declared it as a formal dinner and you can't just go wandering off when you feel like it yeah <laughs> But if you're on the couch and it's kind of a,
2: oh, who cares? I suppose in workplaces you have that as well now, a little bit with, um, I guess some people would have it with working remotely, working online. Um, I remember just in our office, you know, when we were pre COVID, it was kind of an informal policy. I don't, I actually don't know, I might check with you that you would, you (laughs) know, kind of dress up come to work you know like sh- little shirt dress pants and some nice shoes
0: oh yeah i'd wear um, yeah i'd wear like business pants and a and a shirt uh, like a button-down shirt and business shoes for i don't know probably most of the time leaving leading up until we started working from home
2: i reckon yeah exactly but i, I don't know that wasn't like a formal policy though was it that you had to dress up no i never asked anyone to put on
0: yeah. oh the only the only exception uh was when uh Old mate asked if he could, It made the comment, oh, well, that's cool. Once we move into our own office, I can just wear track pants and stuff to work. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, might, might want to stick to at least the jeans. He's like, oh, yeah. okay. That's, so I guess that part was maybe a more formal policy, but the rest of it, no. I mean, I, I never never told anybody what they had to wear. I don't care. Well, it's funny because I don't like I say, I don't care, but if on somebody's first day, they showed up in like a... a a torn t-shirt or something i might have been like oh what's this about yeah that's interesting uh, well, that, now, now with the, covid
2: i guess is like um dress code what people wear on the zoom meetings um and even i guess timings of work a little bit i mean in general do you is the policy like what made the policy nine to five versus just work eight hours a day you know, where did that policy come from originally
0: that all your work hours have to be... Yeah, well, I mean, we've got... all right. ...like, especially running the courses. I think because the less... This is my perception. The less, um, the less somebody's responsible for the... For effects or outcomes in their job, the more they tend to get time managed. And I think in the format we're at now, where most of our work is online courses... And the outcomes are quite clear and basically your job description is cause these effects on this course and other and i don't really care what time or when you do these as long as it's practical for the participants then the focus on time diminishes because it matters less it's it's more about the outcomes i mean i don't know what do you think ben what that was
1: yeah yeah i think I'd agree. Yeah. i agree Not much more to say on that one Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I don't have too many more opinions that you haven't discovered. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I'm just trying to think, because there's so many of these, I and mean, we've picked some isolated examples. I'm just trying to think of some environments. Perhaps the gym's a good one. I mean, we all, all, all three of us um, have certainly been to uh, you know, CrossFit gyms in that same sort of structure. Um, so we talk about a similar environment there and just how many policies you reckon are in place that people just don't notice
1: yeah, and different things like going back to what you said about
0: packing away.
1: I've I've seen things about gyms where actually they have that as a formal policy, you know, that no one packs away anything until the last person finishes the workout. Oh, really? Yeah, just from like reading online and following these things because it is a bit of a, yeah, a bit of debate does come up around that. And it is funny when you're almost trying to achieve the same thing but you just have different rules about how you go about it that it seems like you have been disrespectful when you're actually trying to
0: trying to respond yeah yeah
1: i mean you have the same thing like you know um if you're the last person that's finishing a workout and others come and cheer you on and things like that and they think they're being supportive yeah.
0: But some people like hate that depends how you cheer me on <laughs> no actually it depends on two things it depends one how you cheer me on and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say there's no way to not sound like a wanker when i say this it also depends how hard you win like if <laughs> If I saw you pulling out the little lightweights and you finished real early because you did half the run and like half the weight, then don't 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 come talk to me. Don't come be like, you've got this. Like I'm not interested in your opinion. Gosh. <laughs> I mean I do I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean if, if that if that was pushing it for you, then fine. But you know, I've seen the people with the with the lightweights who finish like you know 10 minutes ahead of everybody else and it's like yeah okay you know the rest that's of us fair. came to work out but that's cool too break one single sweat and then uh, i think they're done <laughs> but, oh. yeah
1: the doom is full of policies because a lot of these aren't official but you've got a group of people and you've got a, a kind of mutual understanding about what's appropriate and what's not
0: going on yeah, there that's true
1: and a lot of them aren't enforced and if you don't follow them really nothing happens it's not like you get most of those, if you don't follow it, you don't really get turfed out or given a warning by the coach, told him to come back, or, you know, you don't get any sort of, like, monetary penalty. You know, a lot of these things, like, are pretty harsh. They're almost like laws, but they're not enforced. No one calls the police on you. But you almost, like, treat them in that way, that you follow them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, um, like, like our gym's pretty strict on... on um being there for the warm-up to start the warm-up and be be on it with everybody else but occasionally people are late and they just kind of jump in and there's actually no penalty but you feel like there would because our our coach is pretty strict on it but i've heard of other gyms where if you roll up late to the warm up, literally nobody cares and it's like oh well you know if you're not warmed up that's on you so that's a funny one
2: this podcast is brought to you by the BBIT. If you want to improve your own thinking and problem-solving skills, visit com to sign up now. I guess it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, about the previous being talked about, the, the team, and, like, people come into the gym, and if everyone already there has set the standard um, of, you know, we come here to do the... warm-up then new people kind of fall in line
0: yeah that's true i
2: I, I, I watched i can't remember where i watched it and i think you guys might have seen it as well there's a video that was going around youtube where a girl walks into a waiting room and a buzzer goes off and everyone stands up yeah and then they sit down and then the the waiting room gets smaller and smaller but she still just stands up on the buzzer without even knowing why she's standing up until She's literally the only person in the waiting room and the buzzer goes off and there's no social pressure on her at all to stand up, but she still does.
0: Yeah, She's conditioned.
2: And then a new person comes in and she stands up on the buzzer and they're like, why are we standing up? And she's like, I don't know, everyone else was before. <laughs> so he starts standing up as well. Um, kind of interesting yeah. that we just kind of fall in line with
0: policies if we respect the people that kind of set them before us. I guess that's a huge part of culture, right? Like if the old dogs at the gym or the old dogs at your work have a respect for the place and they show up on time and all that sort of thing, then that carries through. Whereas if they have this kind of, oh, you know, I've been here for a long time or I'm super fit or I've whatever, I can show up like I can bend the rules. If one person's like that, it probably won't make a difference. But if that's the general trend, then you might, even if the coach tells you, you have to be on time at my gym, you know, that matters so much. When you first join, you'll probably respect that. But it won't take that long before you'll just go, oh, well, he says that. But, you know, you might not even logically think it, but you sort of think, oh, well, I'm just running a little late or it doesn't really matter. I've been there for a while now. And the the trend sort of slides, right?
2: Mm.
0: Never kind of thought of that as
2: policies as such an important driver of um, what, what do you call it, like culture and environment. Yeah, I mean now that you now that we pointed out like that, it seems obvious. But if someone think- was to say like, oh, I want to build culture in my business, you wouldn't say, okay, well we should have these informal policies. They'd be like, oh, let's get a pool table and let's have drinks and beers. <laughs> I guess those become informal policies that you just join in for Friday beers. Yeah, so you wouldn't call it a policy.
1: No, but yeah, a cult. Yeah, what is culture really? It is probably just a set of policies about how you do things and your, how you act and how you interact with others. Mm. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, if someone says, "What's the culture like here?" You're probably going to start describing like those sorts of kind of rules or guidelines that people follow. There's group behaviours sort of thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah about what is and what isn't acceptable and how you should act. Really, that's not a bad way to define it. Yeah. And I mean, if you're looking, like you say, to try and change the culture, what are you doing? You're probably trying to shift those, the, you know, policies or rules about what's accepted, what's not.
0: Yeah. And if you if you have some mandate come from head office, emailed out to everyone saying, oh, this is the new standard everybody has to comply with, but it's never enforced. I mean, I say that right now and anybody listening will go like, oh yeah, of course it's not going to happen. And yet I bet you, many of you listening will also have been frustrated at people in, in your team or organization that repeatedly do a behavior despite you or others asking them to change it. And you're just like, oh, what's wrong with them? Why won't they change? It'll be the exact same thing. There'll be a bunch of habits and things from the people around them that just make it okay. Yeah,
1: it's you touch on a real important Point here because usually if you talk to someone about policies or think about policies you do jump to the formalized ones which is like those pol- you know policies come through from head office that you now have to do this or do that yep and we're real quick to think about and identify those and we're just not very good naturally about thinking about all those informal ones that are there but they are mostly what's going to drive what happens and anything new that's formal is going to push up against those and unless it's strictly enforced the informal ones normally win out so if, you, if you bring a new formal policy, you don't do anything about it, and it conflicts
0: with an informal one. The informal one's almost always going to win. Yeah, ah, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's probably just the social thing. It's the frequency. Like we we love to talk about measures, right? And talk about how um, you know, the classic is oh well, you might tell your sales executive that they need to keep their CRM up to date, but if you're measuring them on number of sales closed. And that's got, you know, that's got a um, uh, financial incentive of of something to do with a bonus or commission or something, then what do you expect to happen? And that's an easy one for anyone to go, oh yeah, sure. But those are two formal things that are clashing. But you just go back to it again and you go, all right, well, let's say they're not commission-based at all. They get no bonus from how many they close, but they're still in a sales environment and it feels like winning, right? And when you bump into someone in the kitchen, they go, oh, how does, how the sales going? Well, did you close that account? And they're not trying to drive that behavior. However, you compare that pressure compared to, I don't know, an email once every six months from head office telling all salespeople to keep the CRM up to date. What habit's going to win out? Like, clearly people are just going to do the short-term behaviors to keep trying to close stuff. You know, every time they leave their desk and someone goes like, oh, you know, cutting deals today, they're not going to go like, oh, I've been updating the CRM. Oh, good job, man. That's awesome. That's way better than closing. (laughs) Like, No. So you've got all all of that social pressure to try and contend with that you just, you know, if you ignore it and you just go, oh, well, I don't understand. We asked them to do it. Why aren't they doing it? It's like, it's not that they necessarily refused. It's just like, oh, yeah, all right. I should keep the CRM more up to date. But then, you know, it's in three days' time and the email is sort of off your mind and you come in and what's the first thing, you know, you do after a couple of meetings? You could update the CRM or you could wheel your chair over to the other side of, you know, the other part of that office and go tell someone on this mad deal you just closed. Like, if you've got 15 minutes before your next appointment, which one are you going to do? Probably.
2: Yeah fun
0: one (laughs) yeah I mean the short answer to anything to do with behaviour is why do people do what they do Uh, well they just do things that they like and they avoid things they don't like yeah and in the absence of anything
1: else they'll just default to those yeah I mean always everyone has a policy to make themselves feel good yeah in the absence of anything else you kind of revert back to these like base biological things about the policy to you know survive and to enjoy things and
0: whatever else it yeah that makes sense all right well we should probably get to the bit where we tell people what to do if they've listened to this and going like oh man so much wisdom <laughs> like, how can i actually apply it <laughs> just thinking that it's like talked
1: about a lot of stuff but how's this actually helped me
0: yeah all right so you've got you've got some all right. I, I don't know if you can think of either of you can think of an example off the top of your head but you've got someone Um, you've asked them to not do a behavior a couple of times and you know they've logically agreed. We're not we're not talking about like, you know, performance management sort of stuff here where people refuse. Um, but it just doesn't seem to happen. What do you do? do you
1: want an actual answer for that? Yeah, come on. I thought you were. I'm I'm asking the question. Um, well, I guess that's a point where you need to try and be more aware of what's going on in the situation. So obviously they have probably reasons why they don't want to, or something else that's more important. So really you need to understand like if they're not doing that, what are they doing and why are they doing it? So it's just a matter of trying to break down the behavior and go, okay, this is what I'm seeing. What given what I know about their environment or the context, what's probably driving them. Yeah. That'll at least give you a bit more understanding. And then I'm like, you might realize that you're pushing shit uphill a little bit. <laughs> Make you're in a better position than just sitting there going, oh, I don't get it. You know, telling them 50 more times is probably not going to get you any closer to getting a change there.
0: That's true. I mean, if you identify that, maybe it'll open you up to other solutions. If you're open-minded enough, if you've got five salespeople and they won't update the CRMs, maybe you should just hire a sales admin person and let them focus on the selling that they're good at and they like doing and it's reinforcing
2: to them i don't know just thought yeah i think a, a step is to like kind of identify what they're doing instead of that action that you want um because it's not the like it's not that they're just not doing it right they're doing something instead of
0: yeah yeah it's key. Um,
2: so kind of find like identifying that and f- identifying why they're doing that instead of what you want them to be doing is is a key step to um, trying to promote the action that you're after as well.
0: I yeah. just
1: kind of think that
2: this kind of,
1: I don't know what, because it's not really a tool because it's not a specific like thing that you do. Policies are more of a concept um, or like a skill. So to me, being able to see and identify them is kind of a skill you develop over time with that you practice and it can help you with whatever else you're gonna apply. Yeah. Kind of like what you'd be talking about, you know, looking for other solutions. You kind of need to be aware of them, but by itself, it's possibly not a, a tool that actually lets you change much. It's probably not a great way to describe it, but you just have so much more, once you get good at seeing them and being able to kind of deduct the, um deduce sorry, the policies that are in play, you're just much better handled, um, much better equipped to handle a situation you go in and you just understand what's happening a lot more. So you're much like more likely to come up with good solutions and not waste your time on things that were never going to work. Yeah. You yeah. save yourself a lot of time there because you can just like, you know, fight your head against a wall continuously or something that it was obvious was never going to work, but you can't see it because you kind of can't see everything that's going on there. So it's kind yeah. of a, an awareness tool in a way. That's true. Um,
0: From our experience, you know, while we do teach people, you know, actual solution methods, 80% of what we teach is actually just helping people to understand the situation, right? Most smart people, when they properly understand the problem, have a bunch of ideas how to solve it. It's it's when it's unclear or they don't understand the problem for whatever reason that they end up in these situations where, where it seems unsolvable.
1: Yeah. People in general are naturally good problem solvers because there's so many things you have to do on a daily basis where you need to work it. And I'm not, you know, they're not crazy big problems, but you know, you make so many decisions throughout the day. So people can work it out, and you usually you have knowledge in your situation. It's just a bit of a blind spot, I think, with these policies. And so once you can see them, then you have the extra information you need to come up with a good solution.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Truthfully, imp- um, the
1: informal ones, I guess with formal policies, it's a little more structured. But again, still, if you're trying to put in a formal one, you need to be able to be aware of any of the informal ones you might be butting up against. So it's more of an analysis tool than an actual like implementation tool.
0: Yeah. In my yeah. mind, anyway. That's fair. And just um, a key part of it, just what, what Luke brought up, where not doing the behavior isn't, isn't useful. So like the the sales thing, uh, let's say it's the CRM, saying not entering stuff in the CRM isn't going to get you very far. You need to actually figure out what are they doing instead. So my example, it was, you know, trotting off between calls to talk to their mates about how well the call went or something. That's what they're doing instead. So that's the behavior that has some policy driving it. Um, Yeah. Not behaviors that work very well because it's... (laughs) pretty much impossible to define or, 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 yeah, analyze them.
1: You almost need to, in some way, um, create an environment where they will adopt the policy themselves that, you know, the CRM is always kept up to date. I'm not sure exactly how you're going to do that, but you need to, if you can get someone to just adopt a policy and hold it as, like, theirs rather than having to follow someone else's, you're just going to get so much further. yeah. That's true. Now, yes, might be a bit of a jump to get a salesperson to uh, do that,
0: but yeah, yeah, I don't know. So if somehow you can make a competition amongst the salespeople for the most, uh, the most updates to the CRM, and I don't know. Shout lunch on a Friday or something. This is, this sounds very corporate. I wouldn't suggest doing exactly that, but you know, find some way to make it, make that the competition or that the interesting thing. Uh, then you might be able to start tipping the balance. Yeah, exactly. Um... I remember seeing somebody with a giant like Mario Karts on their wall and it was for tracking something and it was basically making a competition amongst the team for some sort of thing. I can't even remember the context for this, but everybody had their Mario Kart and a reset each month or something like that. But like, that's an example of making it compelling, right? You're like, all of a sudden it's gone from this annoying thing to, oh, now it's this fun thing on a wall. Um, And it's it's not even necessarily, or maybe it was part of their performance requirements in the first place, but it wasn't getting done. But you just make it interesting and fun. And all of a sudden people go like, oh, uh, I have this policy of, of wanting to win.
1: I mean, everyone loves a competition and loves winning. can turn almost anything into like a sport these days that people want to watch because as soon as it's, you know, it, it gets interesting as soon as people are competing. Yeah. And especially if it's something that you're competing in and as long as it's like reasonable for you to win or at least have a chance at winning or beating someone else, you do get invested in it. Yeah. Like that, that's like a base kind of, formal policy that people have is they do try and win and try and beat others and so yeah you can turn almost anything into a competition and have people actually get a lot more invested in it i mean how many like reality shows do they have now about things that people probably wouldn't have really cared about but they oh. just get addicted to
0: them yeah exactly and all of them are competitions and people people who yeah. will say oh yeah no i don't like watching sports i don't like watching people just compete for something i would much rather watch 26 women try and compete for one man ah like, oh, yes yes that's not an orchestrated sport at all Best, <laughs> <That's>, yeah exactly <laughs> oh man imagine the policies that go on in those sort of uh production studios anyway Maybe we wrap it up before we go there. It might be a bit dangerous getting into that. <laughs> Maybe that's like the uh, BBIT After Dark podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good summary. So if you're listening along and there's something that's annoying you that somebody else is doing, um, yeah, basically look at what they're doing and then think about what they're doing instead of what you want. So what are they actually doing? If you walked in on them doing whatever it is, what would it look like? So you're actually getting a behavior there. And then, yeah, you just need to obviously have a think. Maybe you need to ask some others or you need to, you know, spend a bit more time in their environment or whatever it is um, to figure out, well, what would compel that behavior? What do people believe they should be doing or what do they believe is true that would make that behavior logical? So winding right back to the start, we said, if the if people are, if people are acting in accordance with their policies, then they are acting logically. That's that's a fair thing to say. So what are the policies that must be true that make that behaviour logical, essentially? And uh, then figure out what you can do instead to change it. I suppose that's uh, that's really it. You've got, to, you've got to change your own policy of just assuming that people are, are stupid for a start. So, you know, that's, uh, that's step one. And then once you've done that, you can actually uh, influence it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining me, guys. Well, happy to be on. Yep. <laughs> All right. I'm sure I'll I'm sure we'll have you back in, in not too long. All right. See you, everyone.